0: Of Sacramento.
1: Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk.
0: And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the King's record book. Well, I like to see Fox force five in the open court. Box into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like King's basketball.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got the usual co-host, Rich Ivanowski, on here as well. How you doing, Rich?
0: I'm doing good, man. Uh, it's nice to see all that uh, USA basketball stuff going on with Fox looking really good, Bagley looking good, uh, but we are, we're still in the season previews of uh, the other teams around the league. We are going to be getting to some interviews with some people around the Sacramento media coming up in the next few weeks, but just kind of pepper those in. But for now, uh, we are on to Detroit, and we got our friend Kyle Brandon here from the 48 Minutes Network. How you doing today, Kyle? I'm good, man. Uh, I've, I've been wanting to do uh,
2: a home and home with you. I've had, I've had you on our podcast a few times, and uh, I feel like we find a way to bring you up specifically or reference you or something. Um, in so many podcasts, like once a month, we, we hit our Richard quota. So, uh, I'm Dude, glad to, I'm glad I, to be on.
0: I appreciate it. I love you guys. I'm, and definitely I'm going to get Ben on for the Pacers too, I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Not too love far it. away. And I, I have a bunch of friends that are, uh, Kings fans and I like reached out to them and I told them and, and they actively listen. So, um, I'm excited to be on. Yeah.
1: Oh, well, we appreciate that, man. And I think that, uh, the best way to do this, we're obviously going to focus on the off season and previewing next season as well. But we can start with the 2018-19 year. Pistons dead at 541-41, that eight seed and a tough series against the best team in the East and what turned out to be the MVP and Giannis onto Tacumpo. But a nice year from Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond. Your guys were fairly healthy. What were some of your main takeaways from the 18-19 season?
2: Yeah, so like you said, we were 41-41. to um, This team was very average, was kind of my first takeaway. They averaged 107 points a game, and they allowed 107 points a game. Um, finished as the eighth seed right in the middle of the, of the pack in the Eastern Conference. So it was very much a, a mediocre team. Um, they struggled with shooting at times, and that makes sense, kind of based on who their roster was. And uh, they struggled with some injuries. So you kind of saw throughout the year that it kind of ebbed and flowed with if they were healthy or if they were shooting well. But it was the first year under Coach Casey. So still really optimistic. Um, really like what Coach Casey brings. And I think that his style and um, just kind of what he's trying to deliver on the court is going to take a little time to kind of develop, uh, especially with its team.
0: So going 41 and 41, you know, in the, in the East, that can be okay. Cause you do have those last few playoff spots that are generally available to teams, you know, kind of in the middle of the league, but I wanted to get your impression on that sort of place, that sort of strategy, because there are a lot of teams that, so I'll, I'll say this, there's a lot of analysts, podcasters, writers, uh, you know, guys on TV, all that stuff. I think there's a general sense of overvaluing being a real contender every year. It's kind of like, you've got to be able to win the finals, you know, have that as a possibility, or you should tear everything down. Now, the Pistons have not been in either of those camps really recently, uh, kind of in the high 30s to low 40s for, for about five years now. And Is there any value in that? Do you see, you know, being in the mix for a playoff hunt or do you feel motivated to like, you know, say let's tear it down or or sell out to, to make a run this year type of thing.
1: So
2: with, with the Pistons and kind of the situation they're in, um, having a new stadium and everything, they are dead last in attendance in the NBA, which is pretty surprising because they are a playoff team. They do have an all NBA player in Blake Griffin, um, And yet, they are dead last. There's only uh, seven teams that had less than 90% attendance, and the Pistons were the only team that had less than 80% attendance to their games. So they're not really in a situation where they can afford to blow it up, per se. Um, They had to change the color of their seats from red to black. They had to put literal covers over them um, because it looked so bad on TV because not enough people were showing up. So I I just don't think that this team... um, I mean, as a business, I mean, it's still a business. I don't think that they're in a place where they can kind of say, let's blow it up. So for them, you know, I think getting multiple playoff home games is kind of a victory. Um, and just kind of thinking of it as a business, I don't mind them just going to the playoffs and necessarily not winning a championship right now. Because um, as a fan, I realize that, you know, only a handful of teams win a championship and we won one in... 89, 90, 2004. Um, I realize that's, that's pretty lucky for a franchise, uh, especially talking to Kings fans. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you know, I don't want to be too selfish about it. And, uh, I also want to be realistic. So I, I don't think that this team's in a situation where they can blow it up. So I think that just going for kind of a playoff, um, a playoff series victory, as bleak as that sounds, um, should, should really be the goal.
1: But obviously, you know, you want to see improvements here. Like you said, a playoff series victory, that in itself would be an improvement over what happened last year, year before. Um, where do you see that progression and improvement coming from? I think Blake Griffin had one of his best years. I don't know how much more you can expect from him. Andre Drummond, maybe there's a little bit of steps forward, but it, is it really having faith in these young guys that don't necessarily have the highest potential? I mean, Dumboya is really nice. That's a project. Canard, people are really high on. Kyrie Thomas had a little bit of a disappointing summer league. So what are you banking on in order to see those improvements?
2: Yeah. So I think that they've done a pretty decent job of building some young core without, um, uh, mortgaging the future. But I really do think that, um, the way that they improve is through three point shooting. And, um, and developing their bench. Last year they had, uh, they had guys like, uh, Zaza Pachulia play meaningful minutes. Uh, Zaza is not a guy that's in the league anymore. You know, they had, uh, Jose Calderon play, um, he played 18 minutes a game while Ish Smith was hurt. Jose Calderon's not in the league anymore. You know, so just really developing that bench and getting better, uh, getting better shooters out there. You know, we, we're replacing guys like Stanley Johnson who, was second to last in the league in offensive efficiency. He was like 338th out of 339 people that played 15 minutes or more. Uh, replacing guys like that with guys like Tony Snell um that can you know knock down a shot. Um, so I think that's really where the, the biggest improvement's gonna be. With Drummond, it's tough. Um I don't know how much more he can really improve his game not saying that he's a perfect product by any means um cuz he definitely has his flaws um, specifically in in shooting and in the post you know he doesn't really have any post moves or anything like that but i think that with Blake Griffin's post game that's probably enough post you know that that you need on your team and coach Casey's a pretty analytical guy you know he he buys into the the quote unquote Mori ball if you will um and i just I just don't know if there is kind of room for more post game, um, And so, yeah, I, I don't know how much more you can really put on Drummond necessarily. So I do think it's just kind of uh, tightening up those loose ends, getting better shooters out there, and, uh, and focusing on defense too. And that's kind of Casey's philosophy. He loves um, perimeter shooting, and he loves perimeter defense. So I think that the additions uh, I'm sure we're going to get into – I think that really reflects kind of his philosophy, and that's where we're going to see the strides.
0: What's your feeling on Andre uh, Drummond in general? I know that he gets brought up in a lot of fake trade ideas. Um, he is a younger guy, and especially with Derrick Rose coming into the mix now, you've got maybe your two best players being 30 years old. You know, Drummond's certainly in that mix for best player as well, a little bit younger, but would you be opposed to trading him for a piece that might be a little bit more fitting with the modern NBA? I would. I just
2: don't know. It's very weird. I don't know, I guess what we'd get in return. I haven't seen, I mean, I feel like I go on either trade or like, uh, uh, the ESPN trade machine like daily. You know, I have a bookmarked. um, and with trade you can see like all these hypothetical trades. You can search by team and all that stuff. I feel like I haven't really seen a Drummond trade that I, I really like that much. Um, I still value his rebounds. Um, but I know he has limitations. I know it's a realistic thing. Um, but as far as like centers that are better than him, um, I think obviously you have, you know, Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, Jokic, um, you know, Go probably up there. Um, I don't know if I said Carl Anthony Towns. And then you kind of get, like, he's kind of in that Horford, Vucevic, but he's not as modern as those guys. So, you know, if you, you can't trade him for Horford or Vucevic. Um, so really, I think he'd be getting a less skilled center. And I, I just don't really know who's making that trade. So um, it's tough. I, I know the Kings fans just went through it trying to get that that modern center. So um, I'm sure you guys spent a lot of time kind of, talking about the value of being able to space the floor, um, especially for for your uh, power forward, per se, um, and Bagley and all that stuff. So I'm sure you guys just went through it and uh, have your opinions on it. But I just, I don't know. I I think that Andre Drummond's a little bit of a mess, but he's our mess. So I think that <laughs> I've irrationally clung onto it and bought in. So I think that's what that's what fandom's all about.
1: Yeah, you're talking about us finding this modern center, and recently, I think today actually, maybe yesterday, there was all this, uh James Hamm tweeted out that Team USA is playing Bagley as a 5, and it's just like a dream situation, I would love to see it, but Vlade is like, you know, he can play small forward, and we're like, uh... <laughs> oh.
2: I almost quoted, I almost, I saw, uh, I think Richard tweeted something about Bagley playing the five, and I almost replied to it, like, I thought he could play the three, but I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll lay off
0: it, no jabs. So. Yeah, Dude, it's constant, it, he's doubled down on that not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. so it, is, it is terrifying, but it's at least good to know that, like, when a guy like Pop gets a hold of him, he's like, no, 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 this guy's a center, so. what?
2: What is, what's, real quick, what's your perception of Drummond,
0: like, I don't it's know. Mu- it's lower than
1: yours. I'll say that. That's I, I I mean, what what about you, Brendan? I made a tier list of this the other day, and I had him one tier below, kind of what you were talking about—that Vucevic, Horford, because I felt like there was more than just like one elite skill, is what I feel like you get from Drummond. And and don't get me wrong, like he's a great rebounder and and can put it back up, but I don't really see the rim protection. Um, I'm not a big fan of his necessarily rim running, even though he does move good for his size. I think that a lot of it really is just that modern NBA.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I definitely get that. Um, And really, I mean, he kind of hangs his hat on the fact that he was a a rebounding champ three out of the last four years, including last season. Um, He averaged 17 and 16, which... I mean, I know it, it feels almost empty, um, but, I mean, 16 rebounds is still still something. Um, you know, his yeah. <laughs> it's it's embarrassing to say that his free throw shooting has improved to 60%. Um, that's pretty rough. He was shooting, I think his first five seasons, he was shooting below 40% from the free throw line. Um,
0: so yeah, he's I,
2: somewhat less of a dinosaur, I guess.
0: I've seen him improve his passing as well, um, so like he's he is making improvements. I, I think it just comes down to, I mean, he's making a ton of money too. So I, I think it's more of a for me, it's more is he worth that contract than, you know, is he a bad player because he's certainly not a bad player. He probably is the best rebounder in the league, period. So that's very valuable. But I also, you know, like talking about the the modernity of the league, it's not so much that I'm thinking maybe trade this guy out for a guy at the same position who's more modern, but maybe just go with that kind of zero center approach where, Hey, we'll find a patchwork of guys. You know, we can put this guy in there for 20 minutes, this guy in there for 10 minutes and then we'll just play. Yeah. We'll, we'll experiment with, with the uh, Blake at the five thing. We can experiment with whoever, like we, you, we can find a small ball lineup or, or something and just think that maybe you could do more with that money. Yeah.
2: I think, I think that him and Blake actually play pretty well together because Blake, you'll see Blake actually back people down from like the three point line, which is insane to say, but he'll like literally turn his back once he has once he's at the three point line. Um, but knowing that like you have to put your largest guy on Drummond pretty much every time because um, Drummond's a, a huge guy out there, but Blake is still you know six ten like. 260 like he's bigger than LeBron he's he's a huge guy so he just is so able to take advantage you know because he has the uh, second biggest guy guarding him pretty much um, and so I think it's nice having uh, kind of a a traditional center in that sense to where it kind of frees Blake up and he's not posting up as much um, you know he's he's improved how much he's shooting the three a lot Uh, Especially since he came from LA. I think he was shooting like 5% of his shots uh, when he played for the Clippers from three. And now that's up to like over 35%. You know, so he's, he's, Blake's definitely modernized his game a ton. um, But just not being able to put your biggest guy on Blake, I think, is somewhat of an advantage.
0: Hey guys, just want to give you a quick reminder that if you like what you're listening to, We'd really appreciate a quick rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're getting this podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we'd love to interact with you. We can take your questions, answer them on the podcast as well. That is at Kings underscore pulse. We also got an Instagram Kings underscore pulse, and we are the official podcast of uh Reddit R slash Kings. We got a sticky thread on there. If you want to ask questions, so We really appreciate it, and and thank you very much for listening.
1: Are you currently paying off student debt, interested in improving your financial literacy, or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakhani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into all these guys and a couple of draft picks and offseason acquisitions. I, but since we're talking about centers right now, the, one of the biggest holes I've really identified here is that who is your backup five? Um, we're kind of <laughs> talking about it. You know, maybe you're going to play Blake Griffin there. If you like that, Markeith Morris it, it can kind of do that. Thawne Maker a little bit there, but I, I just don't. I could not identify who that is. Is it Christian Wood, Thon Maker? What are your feelings there?
2: Yeah. So before they signed Christian Wood, I think that the plan was legitimately to, to try Thon Maker there, which scares me to death. Cause, um, I mean, you might as well put Jose Calderon in for, at that point. I, <laughs> I don't, I just don't, I don't really value Thon Maker a ton on this team at all. Um, I think that. I think that his ball is life mixtape videos got him pretty far, um, as a twenty-two year old basketball player. And I think that his, his his expiring contract um is looking pretty tempting to trade, in my opinion. But I, I do think that Christian Wood is probably the guy that'll see most of the backup minutes. Um and, and that's a guy that a lot of people probably aren't familiar with. That's a guy I wasn't really familiar with. He played um the backup center slash like power forward. Um for new Orleans and for Milwaukee. And really he got his, he, well, first he got his, ti- his time to shine in the G league where his numbers are like G league hall of fame. He averaged like something crazy, like 30 points and 17 rebounds or something stupid in the G league. Um, but of course, you know, he's playing against plumbers and everything. So, um, he went to new Orleans and once Anthony Davis basically said, I'm done, he got to, he got to start for a couple games there at the end of the season. Um, you know, when he started, he was averaging 20 and 10 uh, in about 30 minutes. But um, in the games where he wasn't starting and everything, he was still averaging like 17 and 8. But that was only in like 25 minutes or less. Um, so, you know, he's a guy that's 23. He's still pretty young. Um, his frame is a little small. He's 6'10", I don't know, 2'10", maybe. He's he's definitely not uh, not the toughest guy. By any means, he, he tries to be a little more modern, so I think he's going to get the bulk of that, and I really do think that they're going to try and play Markeith Morris. Not that Markeith Morris is really um, physically built for it, but I think that mentally he's as tough as they get. Um, I mean, we used to have Marcus Morris, so as a Pistons fan, I love the <laughs> I do love the Morris brothers uh, and just their toughness. So I think that that mentally he can really bring it. Um, and show the toughness down there, but yeah, that was that was a huge hole. And before they signed Christian Wood, it was looking very, very, very bleak. So uh, glad that we got Christian Wood. I guess like <laughs> I, <laughs> again, I'm I'm buying in here. Like I, I've drank the Christian Wood Kool Aid. So uh, I've I've fully convinced myself over the last uh, couple weeks. Like Christian Wood is he's the guy, man. He's the guy. So.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that he's been kind of a favorite of the, the nerdy community that gets like super deep into like G League guys and, and prospects, like sort of fringe prospects like that. And he, he did finish the year really strong. Um, there was some hype around him even before he went to New Orleans. And then, yeah, I mean, I, you don't really got to tell too many Kings fans about him. He did. Score 25 points against the Kings, uh, late in the year in the last couple weeks of the season, uh, almost a career high for him. So that, that was kind of tough to see in a game that the Kings absolutely should have won and really needed to win to stay in the playoff hunt at the time and lost to New Orleans. It was, that was pretty rough. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a nice sign. My question with this roster is about the, the guards, because I think especially last year, there just wasn't much going on at the guard position. I am wondering who, you know, so we're into the offseason here, recapping some of the offseason. They did pick up Derek Rose, but injury problems have been a concern. I think he is a nice value at that price. I think that he's probably the best guard on the roster. It's probably not even that close. Um, but what's up with with your boy Luke Kennard? I, you know, is he going to is he going to pop?
2: I really hope so, man. Um, real quick on Luke Kennard. So I work in hotel management, and um, it was about a month back or so. Um, I was working, and this wedding party came in. And uh, I'm just greeting some of the people in the wedding party. And in walks this guy in the suit, and he and he heads over like to the gift shop. And, you know, just like walking around, just kind of greeting people. Hey, how's everything going? And uh, I walk up to the guy, and I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? And he looks at me. He's like, I'm good, man. And I just look at him for a second, and I'm like, wait. And and I didn't want to like totally mark out, you know what I mean? So I was like, do you live in Detroit right now? Did you recently <laughs> move the last year? He's like, yeah. And he kind of smirked and laughed, and I was like, all right, man. And uh, I looked it up, and it was Luke Kennard. So. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Luke Kennard um, looked great in, in the playoffs. Um, I still think that he's going to come off the bench. Uh, I think that Pistons fans are a little too overzealous with him that they just think that he can kind of come in and just be like JJ Redick. Um, but he, he's still got a little bit of time. Um, but I do think that he'll provide really great scoring off the bench. I do think that their starting rotation is probably going to be the same that it was last season with, uh, Reggie Jackson and Bruce Brown. And, um, I know that that, (laughs) I know that your listeners aren't super excited (laughs) about that combo, I'm sure, but, um, yeah, Reggie Jackson's still making 18 million a year and he's in a contract year. And I just think that for him to be a starter last year and to be in a contract year, I I think it's going to be really tough to, to make him sit. And, uh, I mean, he improved his shooting. He's shooting over league average. I think he's shooting around 37% from three. So, um, he, you know, he's really, really good in the pick and roll. I'll say that. Um, I really like, you know, when he runs a picket and roll, but um, I just think that Luke Kennard providing scoring off the bench um, is kind of going to be his role. He, But but really, he was featured when Blake Griffin was sitting those first two games in the playoffs. Um, and he, I don't know, he averaged like around 20 points. Um, I think he had like 22 in a game or something like that, and that was like his high Um but he did have the highest three-point percentage in the playoffs last year. Um, granted, it was only four games, but um, yeah, I, th- I think Luke Kennard still probably has a year or so. Um, Dwayne Casey loves Bruce Brown, absolutely loves this guy. And I've kind of, I've kind of switched my thinking on Bruce Brown because I used to be like hardcore anti-Bruce Brown. I would like actively search him out on Twitter, like to see who's tweeting about it, and then just like get into Twitter discussions about it. Because uh, really, he's like a very, very poor man's Marcus Smart, which doesn't seem super appealing. Um, and last year, he had he had he started a ton, right? He only had four games where he scored double digits. That's pretty weak, right? He had thirteen games where he didn't score a single point, Oof. not one point, and he's and he was starting thirteen games where he didn't score a point, and and that kills me. Like it it absolutely kills me. Um, but you know, he also had a game where he matched up against Harden, and he held Harden to over 10. And he really does give a ton of effort defensively. And, and he added a lot to his game, at least in Summer League, um, against a lot of people that probably aren't making rosters. But he was able to, to score a triple-double, and it was the second triple-double ever scored in Summer League. And, um, yeah, I mean, he was penetrating really, really well um, off the dribble, and then he would kick it out, or he would dump it off to, uh, to Matt Costello, the, the G League center for the Pistons, and, um, he, he looked really good, I'll say that, um, uh, yeah. I really did kind of change my tone on Bruce Brown, and he did it while being a ball handler, so I think that, I think that he could see some time, um, with the ball in his hand, too, so, um, I really do think that Casey will focus on those. And then you have Derrick Rose, who – this one's tough for me, man. It's definitely an upgrade from Ish Smith, And like you said, he's probably the best guard on our roster. Like, I, I realize that. But I'm just not a fan of Derrick Rose as a person. And I won't get into it, but I'm just not a fan of him as a guy. Um, yep. And I don't – yeah. yeah. We, uh, we, we got you. For yeah. sure. uh, I don't really trust that he's going to stay healthy either. And so that makes me nervous. And then like the fact that he improved as a three point shooter is kind of all smoke and mirrors.
1: Yeah.
2: Cause in the calendar year of 2018, he shot 46% from three and 20 in 2019, he shot 13% from three. <laughs> he only made five threes in 2019. Like it, it was just, he was really hot for a while there um but i'm just not confident that he really is that great of a three point shooter and i'm not confident that he's going to stay healthy and i'm just not confident in his character and i'm not confident in his defense so um i've <laughs> just like i could talk myself into christian wood i feel like i've talked myself out of derek rose a bit um but i understand he'll play a, he'll play a big role coming off the bench reggie jackson i don't i don't even think reggie jackson can really play 30 minutes a game you know i think he's probably going to be i think that's his ceiling where he's probably going to be more around 28 minutes or so so i think derrick rose will have a a big part in this Um, but reggie jackson played 82 games last year and and this is really his first off season where he's been fully healthy so um i'm I'm feeling optimistic about reggie jackson i'm I'm buying reggie jackson stock right now right before we trade him (laughs) because an article just came out from uh rod beard who's who works at the Detroit Free Press, and he's, like, the Pistons guy. And um, in his article, he just, like, casually wrote, like, yeah, Reggie Jackson, who will probably be traded this offseason? And uh, Detroit Pistons Twitter, like, screenshot it and was like, wait, what? What? He's probably going to (laughs) be traded? Like, he said it so casually. Um, So I I think that he'll probably get moved this season. Um, But I, I think the Pistons will be in an okay spot. Moving forward, um, I think Bruce Brown, who they got at 41 um, last year in the draft, they got him 41st overall, um, I think he'll be a big part moving forward.
1: And I was laughing the whole time you were talking about this Bruce Brown thing and talking yourself into it. You said a poor man's Marcus Smart. That's one of my favorite players in the league. And I was so (laughs) ready. I was so ready to talk about how much I love this inefficient, defensive-minded guy because that it just become my type of player on this show. It's hilarious. So I'm all for him there. I love the 25% from deep. So not surprised by that,
2: <laughs> of yeah. course. You no, I mean, really, the, the Pistons last year were horrible at shooting threes, like absolutely horrible. Um, and that was like one of the big kind of trends throughout the regular season. Yeah, you know, they started October and, and November. They finished November and they were fourth place um, in the East. Um, and they go to December. Ish Smith goes down, and Jose Calderon has to play big minutes. And they're last in the league in three-point percentage in, yeah. in December. And go to January; they're they're last in the league in three-point percentage still by the end of by the end of uh, January. And, and that was kind of the trend. And they were just bad at shooting. Um, so yeah. I, I I think that Bruce Brown's still going to struggle a lot. Um, I don't know if he'll ever really be a good three-point shooter. Um, his his offensive game, honestly. And this is weird to say. It it really is more like a Russell Westbrook kind of thing, but he's not a good finisher at the rim. Where he like he'll drive really, really, really hard at the rim, and then he'll like dump it or kick it. Um, and he has like that muscular frame. Like him, he is super athletic. So, um, but I, again, comparing him to like to a guy that was All NBA and an MVP, and then comparing him to a guy that was Defensive Player of the Year really is waxing poetic on it because Bruce Brown is really a. Uh, probably not a starter on, you know, 25 NBA teams. So, I don't want to I don't want to oversell Bruce Brown here.
1: <laughs> I feel like that's if you say for some center that you're like, "Oh yeah, he's like Andre Drummond, but he can't rebound."
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah you get it. Yeah. But <laughs> he's James Harden, but he doesn't really have a step back. Exactly. And,
1: he can't yeah. dribble. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and he can't pass.
1: But the reason that I like these Bruce Brown, Marcus Smart type players is they work when you need the defense, and you have enough offense there. Like you said, the three-point shooting was not good last year, 23rd in the percentage. You did shoot a good amount of them, 6th uh, in attempts, but your defense was good on the other side. I think the reason the Ish Smith was such a big piece is you don't have many guys that can either create for themselves or create f- for others. Blake Griffin definitely carried a big load in that. Jackson has been a bit of question mark. He missed a good amount of games. Actually, I'm sorry, last year was his first in a while fully healthy eighty two game season, but a little up and down, do you think you have enough playmaking around the roster to really help uh the loss of Smith and just improve from last year? You mentioned Rose and then I think Tim is gonna have a little bit of a role as well.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think Tim Frazier um I don't see him playing a ton um unless it's kind of like Reggie and Derek Rose are in foul trouble. Or, or they're having rest games, or when Derek Rose does get hurt, I'm sure, um, Tim Frazier will get decent minutes there. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Luke Kennard, um, while he's not, he's not the guy that you necessarily want to always initiate the offense, he does have some playmaking ability, uh, which I like. Um, Svi Mikhailu, who we got, um, through the trade with the Lakers, when we sent over Reggie Bullock, we got Svee Mikhailu and a second rounder back. Uh, he only played 20 minutes for the Pistons total last year. So, again, I'm not going to like wax poetic or, or kind of over overstate um, who he is or what he can do. Um, really, the, the bigger sample size is um, when he played at Kansas for four years. You know, he shot over 44% on seven attempts a game at Kansas. And really, he was playing the four, but he was, you know, a, a – kind of a secondary ball handler there. Um, so I do trust V. Kailu to at least make a good pass. I, same with Luke Kennard. Um, I think that Derek Rose coming off the bench, I think that he can um, facilitate fine as well. Um, and then, like I said, Bruce Brown, uh, really the biggest improvement he made in the Summer League was his passing. So I think that while they're not rich – at uh at playmakers by any means. I definitely think that that they check the box and that they'll be fine. Um because I, I like you said Blake Griffin, I mean he is their their point forward. He's their guy that's initiating their offense. And I think Blake Griffin is legitimately a really, really good passer. And um and that's kind of what I expect. I mean some people want some people want to line up where Luke Kennard is starting, like, over, like, Reggie Jackson or something, just because it's like, well, Reggie Jackson doesn't need the ball in his hands because just let Blake initiate the offense. Um, a la, like, what the Lakers are talking about doing with, with, uh, LeBron. And not same caliber. So, not the same caliber player, but, um, same idea. Or it's just like, let Blake bring the ball down. But, um, yeah, I think that, I think that they'll have enough playmakers this season.
0: So here's a guy that you might have some legitimate excitement about and may not need to talk yourself into being excited about. Uh, the first-round draft pick for Detroit, uh, pick 15, Seku Dumboya, Super young guy, uh, great length, great size, 6'9", 18 years old. I know you're happy about this guy, right? I was ecstatic. We did uh, at, at
2: 48 Minutes Network. We did a live um like a simulcast uh video feed for the draft um where people could like could enter a chat and stuff like that. And like my reaction on it, I like jumped up. I was I screamed, I, I was over the moon that they got this guy, man. Um it, it was reported that the Pistons had him number five overall on their big board. Um they were talking about when they went to a workout with him. Um, they said the workout started and he hit, he just hit like all these consecutive threes in a row and they like actually got together and they're like, Hey, should we just leave? Like, we're definitely not going to be able to get this guy. Should we just like fly back? Like, is this really a good use of our time right now? Um, like that's how high they were on him. So, uh, for him to fall to us, I mean, thank you for drafting Rui Hachimura above him. Um, thank you for drafting Cam Johnson above him. I really appreciate, um, (laughs) <laughs> everyone that chipped in here. It was a team effort. So thank you guys. Uh really love to see it. Um but yeah, he's he's great. Uh love that he's playing with Coach Casey. When he was in when he was introduced, um he said that he met Coach Casey once and um his words were I love him, which <laughs> which is great. Um you know this Sekou's favorite player or one of his favorite players he said was um Pascal Siakam which I mean, couldn't be more excited to hear that out of our, out of our six, nine athletic draft pick that he loves Pascal Siakam because I also love Pascal Siakam and Pistons fans love Pascal Siakam. I think the internet loves Pascal Siakam as, as uh, a collective and Pascal Siakam is a guy that played for Casey. And I, and this was really his most common comp that I saw was Pascal Siakam. Um, Obviously, Pesco, Siakam's 26, and he really kind of is just now coming into his own. Siakam's, eight, like you said, he's 18. He's the youngest guy in the draft. He's he's a long ways away, for sure. He's definitely a project. He's only been playing basketball for like five years. So he's got a long way to go. The, the other comp I saw for him was Rudy Gay, who also played for Dwayne Casey. Um, and when Rudy Gay played for Dwayne Casey, he averaged his most points, his most three-point attempts. He... Had his best defensive season under Dwayne Casey. So I really do think that one, he's raw talent and he's, uh, he's great potential and he's not the guy that the Pistons normally go for. So, um, that's really exciting. And two, I think that Dwayne Casey is the perfect player to, uh, to kind of mold Saku into, to who they want to have. And last year they had, um, they had a trainer that was with, Kyrie Thomas and Bruce Brown all off season and um, this year that trainer is just with Siku so um, he's getting a ton of individual attention right now and I, I don't expect to see him play a ton which is a little disheartening. Uh, I feel like I just got my Christmas gift and I like can't play with it um, for a long time but um, you know I, I think he'll get some some backup um, three minutes. I think Tony Snell will be the starting um, three per se. I, I know it's positionless basketball, but um, let, let's let's call Tony Snell the three. I think Speed Mikhailu will honestly play more minutes than Siku, but I think that I think that Siku will still get out there. I think that he's still going to play maybe ten minutes a game, somewhere between the the three and the four. So um, I think we'll see him, but not a ton. And and unfortunately, we didn't really get to see him in the summer league. He had a really tight hamstring, which also was a bummer, again, feeling like your Christmas toy is just put on your shelf and you kind of have to stare at it, but um, in due time, that's and that's kind of where uh, we talk about should they blow it up or should they go all in, um, this is one of those guys where you kind of feel like they're a little bit going for it right now, um, you know, by having um, Blake and, and stuff like that. But, but they're also going to have a piece for the future, which is really good to see.
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask on the whole backup small forward spot, but you covered that, you know, saying Sfi will have most of the minutes, Dumboy will get his chances. Another guy that uh, you saw in summer league, like I mentioned, kind of at the top was a little bit disappointing, I think, you can tell me if you agree with that, is Kyrie Thomas. I think that uh, his playmaking wasn't quite there, but he showed that he could shoot the ball, and, um, but not necessarily, you know, knockdown level when it comes to NBA. Do you feel like he's pretty quickly fading out of getting an opportunity here in Detroit?
2: Yeah, Kyrie Thomas is actually, when, when they made the picks, um, Kyrie Thomas was the guy I was excited for and Bruce Brown was more of an afterthought to me. Um, Kyrie Thomas was really a defensive star, um, in the Big East. He won, back-to-back defensive player of the year and that's with guys like uh mikhail bridges being in the conference and stuff like that and you know he shot over 40 percent from three and i really did think that he was if mikhail bridges is kind of like a two three um defensive guy i thought he was kind of the the uh the one two mikhail bridges version where he was a little more of a, a ball handler and everything. Um, He's got a 6'10 wingspan. You know, he's just... I I thought he checked every box where it was just like, yeah, this guy's super lengthy. He could be a ball handler. He can sit in the corner and he could shoot. He can defend great. Like, why... I didn't understand why teams weren't higher on him, really. Um, And that was before the Pistons even picked him. I was like, I I don't understand what people aren't seeing. And I guess this is what they weren't seeing. Um, (laughs) You know, he had one summer league game... This season, uh, I think he hit six threes or something. I, I don't know. He he hit a handful of threes, and he looked good there, but he just hasn't shown enough um, to really even compete for for meaningful minutes. He hasn't shown enough, so um, I don't know. I think that he's he's still going to get a chance because he's a defensive minded guy, and like I've been pounding into this, uh, Casey loves guys that can defend the perimeter. So I think he'll still get to see minutes, but if he if he doesn't make the most of those minutes, um, you know, his, he's a second-round guy, so his contract's not guaranteed, and uh, I don't think he'll be around too long if, if he can't make the most.
0: So just getting to the end of the roster here, uh, what did you think of the other two picks in the draft for the Pistons? I'm probably going to butcher one of these names pretty badly. Uh, DeVitas Servitas there you go. Uh, what do you think of <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of DeVitas Servitas and uh, Jordan Bone those last last couple picks? Yeah.
2: Uh, Servitus is a guy that's kind of like a, a draft and stash. Uh, a six and sharpshooter. Uh, extremely small frame. I think he's 180 pounds. Um, he's, I wouldn't even say that he's like near where he needs to be physically um, to make it out onto the floor. So um, I think he's probably a year away from being a year away to, to even see what's going on there. Um, but that was a guy that they were super high on, and, and he played in the uh, Lithuania League, so he was playing with uh, LaMelo Ball and all that, and his effective field goal percentage was insane. He shot like 64% effective field goal percentage, um, which, again, is, is ridiculous. To put it in context, um, only centers in the NBA – shot 64 or higher there were no no guards or forwards um and he was playing kind of like a a three four in lithuania so um he has the shooting ability but you know his body's gonna have to catch up and defensively he's atrocious so um that's that's definitely a project and then jordan bone he was we didn't get to see a ton of him because he was um in some way involved in that Anthony Davis trade where everyone kind of got pushed back schedule wise and, and people couldn't play cause it wasn't going through yet. Um, but really I'm just going off like what I hear. I hear that, uh, besides Zion, he might be the second most athletic guy in the draft. They say that he's just like a freak of nature athletically. Um, but again, I, I think that Kyrie Thomas has better upside than him. So I think, that, I think that Jordan Bone will probably go to the G League for a little while, um, and it'll be kind of a check back on him kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, I remember we drafted him. Okay, yeah. So um, not too much from Jordan Bone, but uh, hopefully Davidas Servetus, um, him and his ridiculous name, I hope that, that he can kind of bulk up and learn to play some defense because we love that kind of shooting.
0: So I think we touched on everybody here, everyone that's added to the team and what we'd like to do as we kind of ramp up to our season predictions and wrap up the podcast, give us one guy out of this whole list uh, of the whole roster. Who's going to take the biggest step forward and who's going to take the biggest step back. So give us two names there. Oh gosh.
2: Okay. Um, biggest step forward. Um I'm going to go, I'm going to go Luke Kennard. I think that he'll make the most of his minutes coming off the bench. Um, I just, I think that his biggest problem is aggressiveness. And really, when I say aggressiveness for a guy that's such a shooter like him, it's, I guess it's more confidence. Um, he just needs to be confident in shooting it. And, and that's another big part of Dwayne Casey's philosophy. Dwayne Casey is very open where he says, if you get the ball and you're open from three, shoot it. And unfortunately, Andre Drummond listens, and, you know, there's guys like, uh, there's guys, you know, that aren't good shooters that listen, and um, hopefully Luke Kennard, you know, with another year under Dwayne Casey, really listens and really feels empowered to uh, to let it fly, because I think that he has an incredible shooting ability, and um, I think that with the bench being deeper, I think that there will be a little less pressure on him, Um, so... Yeah, I think he's going to take the biggest step forward.
1: The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
2: Biggest step back. Man. Um I wanna say I wanna say Thon Maker, but I don't know if he's like important enough. Um,
0: but yeah, I just don't know if there's enough room to step back.
2: Yeah. I just, I I think that he's gonna, he's going to basically relegate himself like off the roster. Um, I I just don't think that he's going to do enough to, to keep a job on the bench. Uh, and maybe they just say Suku is going to take his minutes. Um, you know, they'll, they'll figure out how to distribute the minutes kind of at the forward position between Suku and Markeef. Um, you know they're both pretty fluid there with the with the forwards so um i could see i could see thon maker just you know playing himself out of a job or, or not playing himself out of a job i guess is a better way to say it um that would be my my biggest one oh i also think tony snell i think tony snell and uh, tony snell is tony snell i'm not he's i'm not gonna over romanticize him but he uh I think he's going to be good as just a role player, a guy that's just going to sit in the corner and shoot threes. And um, I think he'll be a a big improvement over uh, especially a guy like Stanley Johnson. Uh, You know, we lost Wayne Ellington. It was nice to get a guy in the buyout market because that's, you know, when you think buyout market, you you definitely don't think guys want to head to Detroit. So um, for us to get a guy like Wayne Ellington, it was great. But uh, losing him, we lost a lot of shooting. And, and that's a big part of Tony Snell's game. He, uh, you know, he shoots a ton from three and he shoots a ton from the corner three, which I love. Uh, I really, really, I really love guys that shoot from the corner three and he shoots 44% from the corner three. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's his shot. So I think that he'll, he'll emerge as a guy that kind of deserves to be a starter. I don't think that right now people really look at him in the league like he deserves to be a starter, which I understand. I don't think his track record's been great by any means uh, in his time with Milwaukee or Chicago. So I think that I think that he'll take a big step forward.
1: Yeah, and one other thing I'm always really curious to hear from each of these people that follow the teams closely is going into the year, there's always some – a few storylines that you're really focusing on and something that you're going to keep your eye on throughout year. I'm curious what that is for Detroit. Is it, you know, maybe the potential of Griffin Drummond on the trade block, or actually now you're probably keeping an eye on Reggie Jackson, you know, canards playmaking or specific areas of people's game, anything like that, that you're keeping a close tab on.
2: Yeah. You, you just touched on it. I think that the fact that Griffin um, is often thrown into trades I think that'll be a big one. Andre Drummond has the player option and Reggie Jackson's expiring. And, uh, really, I mean, that's kind of been their quote unquote big three for the last, uh, last year or two. You know, that's kind of at, at least salary cap wise, that's been their big three. Um, and it just doesn't really feel solid up there. It feels like it's kind of, uh, you know, it, because what happens if, if they get an injury to, to one of those guys and, you know, they lose, let's say they lose 9 out of 14 games or 9 out of 13 games or something like that, and they just go on this really bad streak, and then they get to the trade deadline and they think, well, we're not making the playoffs, you know, maybe we should move Drummond, you know, maybe we should move R- Reggie Jackson. Um, you know, looking at what teams around the league got for for all these guys, I mean, Blake Griffin... He was, you know, he was an a All-NBA guy last year. So, you know, what can you get for an All-NBA guy? You know, if they can, if they can get a couple of draft picks back and, you know, so maybe one guy that can contribute or something like that, um, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. So um, I think just the, the volatility of if this team will blow it up or, or keep moving it forward, that's, that's going to be the thing I'm going to be looking forward to the most.
0: So let's move on to some projections and um, looking at the over-under, maybe right before we get there, do you have a good handle on who's going to be the, the starting five? You've kind of mentioned it. You've kind of built it through context. But, you know, who are the key bench players as well? What's that primary rotation going to be? Yeah, so starting five, uh, it, from, from what I'm gathering and from
2: what I'm hearing and seeing, um, and their their guards are going to roll out Reggie Jackson. They're going to roll out Bruce Brown. Um, their forwards still have um, they'll have Snell, um, they'll have Blake Griffin, and then they'll have Drummond. And I think that their five-man rotation coming off the bench, they'll have Derek Rose, Luke Kennard, Markeith Morris, um, Svi Mykylyu, and then Christian Wood. And then I think in there, you know, you'll see Siku get some minutes. You'll see Thon Maker get some minutes, and possibly. Uh, Tim Frazier or Kyrie Thomas will get some minutes, but but I think that uh Kyrie Thomas and, and Tim Frazier will be pretty sparingly. Um, Thon Maker could get you know bumped out of the rotation, and Saku will be a, a really slow transition into the rotation.
1: And Rich mentioned it, but moving on to these Vegas over unders, I was listening to the Locked On show and they felt that it was really disrespectful to have Detroit at a 37.5, you know, teams like like Dallas are 40 wins, three above you. Do you do you feel the same way here, that that should be a bit higher?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I'm curious on what you... I think that our bench got way better. Um, and I'll personally say, I think the Kings might have the best bench in the league, so I know you guys value the bench. Um, there we are, go. I, yeah. I, I do. I think you guys might be... Might be the deepest team in the league, for real. Um, but I really do think that I, I really like the Pistons' bench. And and the fact that we traded guys like Ish Smith, Jose Calderon, and Stanley Johnson, and Zaza Pachulia, and, you know, uh, John Luer. Like, John is not in the league anymore. He got bought out. Like, Jose Calderon's not in the league. Zaza is not in the league. Like, we replaced them with, like, good players. Um or at least good replacement-level players, you know? So um, I just don't understand, I guess, why we would go down four games. I don't know if they just assume that there's going to be a lot of load management from from Blake Griffin. Um, I mean, he didn't miss a ton of games. He, you know, he had a knee injury at the end of the year and in the playoffs. Um, maybe they're going to assume that he's going to miss a ton of games. But this team's just added shooting. And, and I have a stat here. And, uh, and <laughs> this is me just pandering to you guys also, okay? Here it is. Uh, and, and this isn't my stat, and I'm so sorry. I, I, I stole this from someone off Twitter, and I don't have the person's at, so I, I feel terrible, but just know that this isn't my stat. Um, all right, 100, 129 players in the league shot better than league average on at, le- on at least 100 three point attempts last season. League average was 35.5. So 129 players did that on at least 100 attempts. The Bucks, the Kings, and the Pistons lead the league with seven players each after this offseason.
1: Wow.
2: So we we are the only teams that have seven guys that shot above league average on a large sample size. And that wasn't the case last year. Our team just wasn't that good of shooters, and we just added a lot of shooting depth. And so I, I think that that will pay dividends, and uh, hopefully for you guys too. Um love that the Bucks are in that, you know, love that. (laughs) I I feel like that adds a little validity to the stat. So (laughs) love that. But, uh, yeah, I I do see a, I do see a leap forward, especially with a second year coach. Um, you know, I think that any coach in their first year, I'm sure you guys feel it a little bit right now, any coach in their first year will have kind of a little bit of their struggles just to kind of implement stuff and kind of get a full grasp on everything. But, um, Yeah. Second year, especially with guys that fit his system better. Yeah. I think we're going to hit the ground running a little better.
0: Yeah. I, that all makes sense to me. You know, I don't, maybe I'm wrong here, but I don't, I don't see any departing players that are really significant that I feel like are going to take wins off the board. Certainly. Um, you know, I think that if things go right for Derek Rose, he'll, he can help you win some games. Uh, other stuff aside, whatever, you know, we're talking about over under here. I think that's possible. I think Christian Wood has the potential to, to you know, become a real rotation player uh, and help out in that area. Bruce Brown is just coming into his own. Luke Kennard, if he turns the corners, Fee, you know, I think it does make sense, Uh you know, and obviously Seiko isn't there yet for, for this season, so I'm not going to count him into that, but there is some young guys that can grow, and I certainly don't. Understand why they would go, you know, down and win. I I don't understand how they're backsliding necessarily. So, I, you know, if you put them at 41 again, I don't think I'd fight you on that because it's like I don't really see a huge improvement. But I also I will fight you, you know, on I will push back on dropping them down like four and a half wins. I I don't really understand that, and it's not like the East got better necessarily. Kawhi left, so. Uh, it, it, that that doesn't add to me either. And and on that note, you know, where do you see the Pistons landing in the postseason if they do land there? I think it's kind of clear there's a top five or maybe six teams in the East, but maybe there's you know they're in that mix with the Heat, perhaps now with Jimmy Butler. Uh, the Magic, like last year, also uh made it into the postseason, but don't feel like necessarily a lock. Do you see them as the Seventh, uh, eighth, or ninth best team in the East. Yeah, I, I do see them as, to me, the
2: seventh. Um, you know, I, I just think that if you take away kind of December and January, where um, we just shot horribly and, and had some injuries, and like like I said, had to have Jose Calderon play a bunch of meaningful minutes. Uh, if you take those away, I mean. I think our season's completely different. And I know you can do that for every team if you just take a bad month away. But, um, yeah, you know, I personally think we're kind of in that hunt, um, like you said, with Miami. That's kind of the team I compare ourselves the most to, um, at least talent-wise, where it's like one guy that's really good and everyone else is kind of just okay on a pretty big contract or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that we'll be better than Orlando. I just – as much as people don't like our guards, I really don't like any of their guards at all. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think that to me, and I don't know if this is like a, a take or anything, but I think Blake Griffin's better than Jimmy Butler. And so when you have teams that are close to each other, I think that the better player plays out. If you think Jimmy Butler is a better player, you probably think Miami gets the seventh seed. If you think Blake Griffin's a better player, maybe you think Detroit gets the seventh seed. But, um, Yeah, I see Detroit in that seventh seed. Um, you know, and, and I think that the improvement they'll make is hopefully winning, uh, hopefully winning a couple of playoff games and yeah, just going out holding their head high. Hey, at least we didn't get Russell Westbrook, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm on board with you here and thinking (laughs) that's about the right range. I really liked your Miami comparison. I'm going to have to dive into this idea of jimmy versus blake a little bit i'm probably leaning blake at first but that that's an interesting point point. and my last question i have for you is then what is going to qualify this season as an a six as a success um is it being that seven seed and then you know i mean the the top two teams of the east are the really tough ones milwaukee and philadelphia there's a good chance you'd get bounced round one is that still a successful season and what would be a failure would it just be missing playoffs altogether
2: yeah, missing the playoffs is definitely a failure. Um, to me, that's like
1: the, the clear line of what a
2: failure is. Um, and I also understand that when you're talking about the top of the East, that top tier, the, let's say the number one tier is, in my mind, Milwaukee and, uh, and Philly. And those teams are noticeably, in my opinion, better than everyone else. And I don't think the Pistons match up well against Really, either of them. So I understand that, and I understand that the Pistons, you know, as it looks right now, aren't going to win a series against Milwaukee or Philly, and that's fine. Um, but the Pistons are on a mean streak of getting swept in the playoffs. Um, I mean, we haven't won like like our our playoff losing streak. I think is is the largest in the league, and that's because we would always sneak into the playoffs and play the Cavs, and we would just get swept by LeBron. Um, and now that LeBron's out, we we did it again last year with Giannis. So, really breaking that playoff loss streak is, is the goal. So, um, I'm and really reaching for, reaching for the stars here, guys.
1: You're one <laughs> step further than Sacramento, so. <laughs> yes. yeah.
2: yeah. Um, no, I'll take it. You know, getting to, getting to have home playoff games is huge. Um, and, and really upping our attendance. I think that sounds kind of corny or, or tacky or anything like that, but, Um, you know, as a fan, I like to know that other fans are on board and, you know, hopefully we can get a a little more buzz, uh, especially now that the Pistons are in downtown Detroit and, you know, they used to play at the palace, which was 45 minutes or so north of the city. And there's nothing in Ann Arbor or in, in, uh, Auburn Hills, there's nothing there. So, um, now, I mean, they're, they're in the heart of Detroit, you know, one block away from where the Tigers play, one block away from where the Lions play, in the same building that the Red Wings play. And they're in the hub of Detroit, so hopefully they can get more fans there. Hopefully it's kind of not embarrassing to be uh, last in the league, and hopefully we can get a playoff one.
0: Yeah, and I'll just echo what I said at the very beginning of the podcast as far as just that it's underrated to just be in the playoff hunt. Each year. I mean, I, I think it takes a team like or a market like Sacramento to recognize that at times because being out of the playoff hunt for so long, it's like, you know, th- those are really valuable months for a, a sports fan to know that, hey, you know, there's a game to watch tonight and that could mean, you know, a make or break moment for our season. And when that is not in the mix, those last couple of months, those are lost months, it really kills the feeling around the team in the offseason as well. And and yeah, I mean I Detroit's done a really good job of at least staying relevant enough. Hopefully that's going to reflect in the ticket sales. And I think it's just a little bit short-sighted to to say, hey, they got to trade Blake while well, he still has value. They got to flip drum right now for someone that fits with Blake. Whatever the case may be, it's a little bit premature. So on that note, I'll ask you going forward how you see this team progressing the next two, three or four years projecting them out a little bit it is tough with a team like detroit who has so few guys under long-term deals i believe yeah blake is the only guy with a guaranteed salary uh in 2021-22 which is just three years away ton of guys coming off the books at the end of this season ton of guys coming off the next season blake is the only one locked in for sure after that but what what would you see three or four years down the road for this team
2: yeah, it's it's really hard to say, um because it could go I mean, it can go totally the other way. Um in the fact that where like at one point I think I convinced myself to get Russell Westbrook this off season where I was just like, Yeah, whatever, like let's win a couple of playoff games and, and just I don't care. I don't care. Just give me a playoff win. Um so the fact that they're like entertaining stuff like that, um I, I just really have no idea where they could go. Um, there is a path where, like I said, they, they lose a bunch of games at the beginning of the season or something like that. And, um, and they trade Blake. They, they trade Drummond, who's on a, a player option. They trade uh, Reggie Jackson for whatever you can get. Um, you know, they'll trade Langston Galloway and, and, uh, his expiring and they trade Thon Maker's expiring and all that. And, they kind of just get a couple assets or, or draft picks or really whatever you can get for those guys. I know that's not the the most enticing uh, package, but um, yeah. I also I also think that there's a real possibility where like like a year ago I was like convinced like like and and Pistons Twitter was convinced for for a while like a year ago before John Wall's extension where it's just like all right let's just go for John Wall forget it like before he got hurt. Um, where it's like, let's take a bad contract. We realize that we're going to be screwed until 2022. Not screwed, but we're going to have Blake Griffin until, I think, 2022. And so, I mean, you're going to either have to commit to Blake Griffin and try and win until 2022, or, you know, you're going to have to kind of try and get some assets, and, and they're going to have to make a decision next offseason. Uh, and I think really the first half of the season will will be really telling. So um yeah, I think that's a really long, long way of saying I don't really know. I think that no matter what they do, I just hope that they hold on to their draft picks so that they're still able to draft guys. Um that's kind of like my my biggest my biggest thing. So um make whatever moves you want. I don't care whatever bad decisions, whatever bad contracts you want to take on. Doesn't matter. That's fine. Um you know, but as long as as long as we get a key Building, building the young guys. Um,
1: you know, that's, that's my big focus. You clearly have very high standards.
2: I t- yeah, absolutely. I'm like, take whoever. Honestly, <laughs> whoever. We, we had Alan Iverson after he was, you know,
1: yeah, why after not?
2: he was, yeah, whatever. That's fine. Honestly, yeah. w- what does a team that's lowest in attendance need to do though? You know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah,
2: at, at a certain point, like, would fans show up for what Russell Westbrook? I mean, yeah, they would. Would the Pistons win more games? I mean, technically, yeah. Um, but I don't want Russell Westbrook if that means I have to trade away any assets and like, that's probably not going to happen. You know what I mean? I don't mind being in salary cap jail for a couple of years, as long as I can still draft guys like Siku and stuff like that, where it's just like, yeah, Siku's not going to be, you know, really good for five years, you know, until the second contract probably. Um, He's probably not going to be really good until he's twenty-two or twenty-three, so, um, or at least like even uh, even like a, a meaningful starter until then. So, yeah, it doesn't really matter the next few years. You know what I mean? Just do whatever you can, try and win some games, and try and keep your picks.
1: Yeah, and I, I will say, you know, David Aldridge had a piece up on the Athletic today talking about how. Uh, managers and front offices are saying that really it's a two-year window now like you can't plan for these four years because superstar players can demand whatever they want it's their league at this point like the way that that has shifted it's really hard to project forward and this is one of those teams that really could go either direction i think if you manage to get to that six seed you'd have a real chance at maybe winning a playoff Uh, a playoff series and things like that and at the same time there's a little bit of upside in guys like dumboya uh there's mixed feelings on canard and his ceiling and things like that but i think that that's all we have for you kyle we want to give you a opportunity at the end um if there's anything else you want to get in there and also just to plug anything you got going on yourself
2: well yeah i appreciate you guys having me on man um love the chance to uh to talk about the pistons and uh just really excited to be on on a podcast where I really respect, uh, really respect you guys and really respect the work you're putting out. and uh, specifically, I, I've known Rich uh, at least internet known rich for a minute here. so um, glad glad to be able to do this. appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, you can you can find uh, my stuff and, and our team stuff um, at 48 minutes network on Twitter and then uh, at 48 minutesnetworkcom com is the website. And then you can find me. Um, my Twitter handle is at good luck, Kyle. So pretty easy one there. And uh, yeah, appreciate you guys having me on, man. This was a good time. Yeah. Thanks man for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. Excited, excited to have you
1: uh, on ours.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It'll be fun to talk some Kings. And I will say on our last episode, it was Brooklyn and, he got in his shots about D season high and talking about the games against Brooklyn. I feel like we have to mention this buddy healed game winner. Um, oh, yeah. I'm sorry to do it to you, but that was just, that was amazing running out of the stadium, the empty stadium. It was beautiful.
2: Yeah. My buddy Jordan <laughs> is a Kings fan. And, uh, I, I know that he listens to the Kings pulse, um, you know, on a weekly basis. He, cause he talks to me about it. Um, and I texted him like when it happened, and yeah, we weren't good for the, there for a minute. So uh, <laughs> things are better with me and my Kings friends, but it still still definitely sucks um, to, for him to run out, like you said, and just totally run to the tunnel. Was uh, that was tough, man?
0: Second only to the bogey buzzy, buzzer beater over oh, yeah. the Lakers, we don't have any hate in our heart for you guys, but it's different
1: there.
2: Oh yeah, I know. I know that game winning shots hit different for the for the Lakers so uh I know that that that's a special special moment for
1: you guys but thanks again to Kyle and that's gonna do it for this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast our next episode will actually be Kings focused on this Kings podcast what do you know and that'll be in a couple days so stay tuned for that guys